Good morning, Reading Family Church. I'm just so happy to be here. Besides just being a pastor of this church, I, I'm actually very happy to be a member of this church. You know what that means. So I'm genuinely delighted to, to be a member and a pastor in this church. And I, I, I don't know about you, but God has just been speaking clearly from the opening prayer by Topper on grace and the worship and the words that have come. It's just been amazing. And I, honestly, I don't know what I've just felt God has already spoken, you know, throughout and I've received from him already. So I suppose this preach is just to just encourage us and re-echo re some of the things that have been said already during the start of this service. Yeah, so I'm just happy to be here with you this morning. Today I'm going to be continuing our, our sermon series on 1 Peter, and I'll, I'll be reading from 1 Peter um, 1 verses 10 to 12. And... Um, our title is Sought by Prophets, Craved by Angels. And we're just going to look at what we, the Lord will speak to us from, from those verses. I, I don't know if you're able. Could, could you stand with me and let's read together 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12. It's going to come behind me on the screen. 1 Peter 1, 10 to, to, to 12. Three, two, go. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you're here. We just sense your spirit with us. And we just ask that you have your way. As for those in the room, those watching on the screen from their respective homes, and those that might watch this later, we just ask that your spirit, we walk through this bridge and just encourage, strengthen, bless, speak, heal, deliver, set free. Do what you do best. Lord, we just ask that you have your way. Speak through me and, and just use me to be a blessing this morning and to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit during the course of this bridge. In Jesus' name, amen. Please sit down. So a very quick background to, to 1 Peter was this chapter, like Andy spoke last week, he, the background to this chapter was Peter was preaching this message. I mean, this letter was sent to modern-day Turkey, to various places in modern-day Turkey. And th these were Jews who have now decided to follow Jesus, but are no, were no longer in their home country. They were exiles in the land they found themselves. This letter was written a few years before the great fire of Rome, the one that Emperor Nero blamed Christians for. It, the, 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 this letter was written a few years before that. And when Emperor Nero blamed Christians for the great fire of Rome, the fire lasted, I think, for six days. Then they tried to quench it another three days. 
He blamed the Christians for this and eventually began the season of overt persecution that the church started facing. But before now, persecution of the church, I mean, the church, um, Rome began, became increasing suspicious, increasingly suspicious of, of the Christians. So it wasn't yet full-blown I mean, persecution that led to the martyr of, of, of Peter. But at this time, it was, it was growing because they were just like, who are this sect? Who are these people? Who are this, you know? And that was, it was against this background that Peter was writing this letter to the, to the church scattered in, in, in modern-day Turkey. Now, this was very important because the church were facing obvious challenges, pains, you know, there were several difficulties they were facing. And Peter was trying to just remind them of what they have in Jesus. And, and that was why Pete, last week um, um, Andy told us about, you know, God calling by his great mercy. He has called us into a living hope. It's not a dead hope, a hope that is alive. We can count on it. It's the hope, a living hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The inheritance was kept in heaven for us until the time it was revealed. It says, verse 7, I remember last week, says, Therefore, let's rejoice, even though we suffer, just like the, 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 the first Christians were suffering, going through challenges. Peter was reminded, let's rejoice, even though we suffer and go through trials, that let's rejoice during those trials and challenges with our eyes fixed on Jesus because this proves the genuineness of a faith, the outcome of our salvation. The outcome of our faith is salvation. So that was the background last week. You know, we have a living hope that was purchased by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that living hope that was set, we, we access it when we accept the gift of salvation. You know, and, and verses 10, verse 10 today is now zoning in to what the salvation is about. It says, concerning this salvation, verses 10, verse 10, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Take a moment and listen to that. The prophets searched and inquired carefully. This salvation was searched by prophets. So many prophets. They were wishing and longing for it. This salvation was carefully searched. They spoke of the grace that is to come. This is important because the prophets were under the dispensation of the law. You remember the law. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If you commit a sin, you have to sacrifice a bird. You have to sacrifice, depending on the category. It's, it was, that was the dispensation the prophets were. But God was speaking to them about a dispensation of grace. And they were wanting it to be fulfilled in their time. It said, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours... Before now, the dispensation of law was you're saved by works. So what you do saves you, you know. You are saved by what you do. So your own effort. But the dispensation of grace is we're saved by what Jesus did on the cross. So it's not about works. 
Now, this was the prophecy God was giving the prophets that our salvation is not by works, is by faith in the person of Jesus. This is very key. And this was a prophecy they were looking forward to. However, despite the prophets desiring and longing for it, it never happened in their time. I just feel this morning, God wants to remind us to the basics of our salvation. Our salvation is having faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Believing in his person, not works. Works do not save. Jesus saves. Works do not save. The message of grace is accepting the person of Jesus and what he did on Calvary. Law talks about sets of rules. Religion talks about sets of rules. Do's, dance, do, what you, you need to do this, you need to do that. None of those things saves. Before Jesus was sent to fulfill this prophecy that prophets, many prophets had prophesied, man had tried, tried, you know, with willpower. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. In the, in, in, the, in the dispensation of the Lord, there were over 600 Laws you must keep. It was burdensome. It was really difficult to maintain it. Even if you try to maintain the physical, what about the internal bits, your hearts, the thoughts in your heart? You know, Jesus said in the law, they said if you, if you commit adultery, but in, in grace, Jesus said even the thoughts in your heart is equal to the act. The standard was so high that human efforts could not achieve it. And this was what God prophesied and said, okay, God found a solution and said, okay, I'm going to send my son that will give them salvation as a gift so they don't have to work for it. If they receive him, they receive the gift of salvation. This is so important and that's why we're saved. We're saved by grace and not by works. I love, there are several definitions of religion. One of them is man's effort towards reaching God. So one religion comes and says, this is the way to get to God. Another one comes and says, oh, this is the way to get to God. So religion is man's effort trying to get to God. But the Christian faith is God's way of reaching to us. God's effort. God made the solution. And I love some scriptures. 14 of John verses 5 to 6. It will come up on the screen. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the gospel. This is the prophecy that several prophets were prophesying about. That the way to salvation is through Jesus and nothing else. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. This is what the prophets were prophesying about. True salvation, our past has been forgiven, our present is given meaning, and our future is secured. Says Rick Warren, that's, salvation takes care of our past, it takes care of our present, and it secures our future. That's what Jesus did. And this was what the prophets were prophesying about. You know, over, you know, more than how many thousand? Uh, several thousands of years, 
More than 300 prophecies about the salvation was made by Jesus, about Jesus, his death and resurrection. More than 300 prophecies of this is in the Old Testament, but they were all fulfilled in Jesus. I don't have the time for this, but if you, if you can study on your own, just go search different prophecies, over 300 of them about Jesus, and all were fulfilled in him. The prophets were longing for it, but it didn't happen in their time. It was sought by prophets and craved by angels. Verses 11, verse 11 says, Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The prophets wanted to know the time for which the prophecies will be fulfilled, the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that will be revealed. But they were not given the privilege to know. Pause a minute and just think about it. Several prophets, the notable one is Isaiah 53, prophet Isaiah prophesied about the death and resurrection of Jesus, the lamb that was slain to take our sins. Many of these prophets, many of them stood before God, hearing God, had revelations, but it never happened in their time. They longed for it, but it didn't. But it has happened in our own time. It happened when Jesus was resurrected from the grave and ascended to heaven. And that was what Peter was reminding the Christians in Rome. I mean, scattered abroad talking, which is still relevant to us today. That Jesus is here. The gospel is here. There's something I just want to pick out from this verse. It says, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent sufferings. I want you to see the pattern. Jesus suffered. Then there was glory. I feel there's a lot God wants to speak to us from that statement. Jesus suffered. And there was glory. Hebrews 12, 2 puts it very lovely. He said, look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy set before him made him to endure the cross. I just feel like God wants to encourage someone right now that you're going through suffering. Glory is coming. There's a glory that is coming. Here, here and now, and also in the future, there's a glory that is coming. Be encouraged. The pattern is Jesus suffered and he was glorified. God wants to encourage you this morning that no matter the suffering you're going through, there's a glory that is coming. Be encouraged. It's not just about the suffering. There's always glory after every suffering. Jesus modeled that. If you're currently suffering, living with pain, illness, facing a difficulty in your personal life, I want to encourage you this morning. Glory is here. Because the Son of Man suffered and was glorified. Jesus suffered and glorified. Glory is coming. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Glory is coming. As I was preparing for this preach, I just felt God would say for those going through pain, glory is coming. This, he's going to bring beauty out of that ashes. Just look up. Don't get discouraged. Jesus suffered. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. At times, for the joy that is set ahead of us, we might need to endure. 
We might need to endure the sufferings we face. Verse, verse 12 says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that you have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. That phrase really strange. Angels are longing to, to experience what we're experiencing. They look with eagerness. They look with excitement. So it begs the question, if angels are excited about what we have, then how come is it that we, we almost are indifferent about it or we don't understand the value of what we have? Angels are delighted. This is prophecies that have gone out hundreds and thousands of years. It was fulfilled in Jesus that salvation will no longer be by works but by grace in accepting the pressing of Jesus. But now we, we, we've received the pressing of Jesus and it's just so ordinary. And you look at it and it's like, it's nothing. I just feel God wants to encourage us this morning that what you have, several prophets were wishing they experienced it, but they did not. Even angels are looking down from heaven wanting to, they're like envious, wow. What a relationship, access to the throne room of God, where you have God as a father, where you commune with him, where it's no more about a religion or sets of rules, but about fellowship. God talks to you. He relate, the master and the creator of this universe can relate in a personal level with you. That's what he's about. And angels, they're, they're jealous for it. Then we that have it, you're just like, you know, it's, it's almost like it's nothing. I just feel that God wants to encourage us this morning that please, it's time to value what you have. Because angels are jealous for it. It's so powerful. Right where you're seated, you could just pray, God, give me a fresh revelation of this salvation. Because that's what the, the Ephesians were saying, the eyes of my understanding to be opened, to understand the mysteries. It's a mystery that the master of the universe wants to relate with you and I. Who are we? That's why when we're singing Amazing Grace, that's the story of salvation. Jesus came down to die for our sins, to give us access. So salvation is not by works, it's by grace. This is what angels were dying for. I love the way the Amplified Version puts verses, verse 12. It was revealed to them that their services, their prophecies regarding grace were not meant for themselves and for their time, but for you. The prophets wished, this is me speaking, the prophet wished this prophecy was fulfilled in their time, but it was not. It, it was fulfilled in our time. What a privilege. We are the beneficiaries of what the prophets and angels quit for. In these things, the death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ, which have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. How did you get saved? Someone came to preach this gospel like I'm doing to you this morning, and you got saved that way. That's what happens. And I don't know if you're here, you've not become saved. This is a great opportunity for you to get saved. The greatest thing that can happen to you is giving your life to Jesus. Accept that gift of salvation. God, Jesus loves you so much. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to come die for your sins 
So if you're here, you've been coming to church, but you are not in Christ. I love 2 Corinthians 5, I think 17. It says, if any man be in Christ, it's not if any man be in church. <laughs> because you can be in church and not be in Christ. You could be in church, you just like the gathering. You like oh, you know, the friendship. It's beyond that. We're in church to be in Christ. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. There's something about personal relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you don't have that, this is a great time to make a commitment with Jesus. I'm believing God that maybe one person will respond to him this morning. It's simple. The gospel message is simple. That you don't have to strive to be saved. Just accept the gift of salvation in Jesus. That's what he's all about. By grace are we saved through faith. It's a gift. And that's what I want you. If you're here, you're not made a commitment. Make a commitment to follow Jesus. Alpha is about starting. Make the decision now. Join Alpha to learn about what's about. This is God's awesome plan for you. And I pray that you will respond to that this morning. After, in a short while, I'm going to lead some prayers. And I really want you to respond and, and, and make a commitment to follow Jesus. As we begin a roundup, I just want to, to say this. The whole point, some of the lessons we can learn from this couple of verses is one. Peter was trying to encourage the, the first generation Christians to have a fresh perspective. Now, this is important. Oftentimes, when you're going through pain, in their own case, they were going through persecution, going through challenges. Oftentimes, when you're going through problems, you start looking inwards. You just start looking at the problem yourself, and it can be so overbearing and overpowering, and you lose sight of the big picture. So Peter was trying to encourage them to have a fresh perspective on what Jesus has done, and who Jesus is, and what he has done, and their place in him. That's why we started with the living hope, an inheritance that cannot fade. That's what Jesus has purchased for us. And salvation, verses 10 to 12, started telling us how to access it. You know, the gospel. Now, when you access it, you have a fresh perspective. I, can, I don't know what you're going through, but it's nothing compared to what Jesus did on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross is bigger, better, and greater than whatever pain you're going through. I'll read a scripture. It might not come up in the screen, but if you want to write, you can write. It's a powerful scripture. And I just pray as I read the words of the scripture that God blesses you and speaks to you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. You can write it down. I'll say it again. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Verse 17 says, For this light momentary affliction, the Bible calls it a light affliction, not because 
is trying to diminish what you're going through or make a light of it. But it's basically saying what you're going through when compared to the glory that's to be revealed is nothing. Take a pause. Just think about that problem that's been bothering you. It's nothing compared to the glory that's to be revealed. The Bible calls it, it's transient. But it's working for you an internal weight of glory. So it's so easy to get consumed that, oh, this problem is so big. But the Bible calls it light. Not because it's small. Not because the Bible is trying to undermine it or the effect it's having in you. But it's saying compared to the internal glory that is to be revealed, it's nothing. So have a fresh perspective that the light affliction is but for a moment. It's going to work for you an internal weight of glory. It says, so we are not moved by the things that we see. For the things that we see are temporal. They are transient. I want you to, one of my prayers for Redding Family Church is for us to come to a point where, God, even if you don't do anything for me anymore, I'll serve you. Because you've done like, the greatest I'll say that again. For you to come to a point in your Christian walk that say, God, even if you don't do anything for me, anything physical, anything tangible, I trust you. I will serve you all my days. Because he's done the ultimate by sending his son to die for us. That's the greatest sacrifice. Because oftentimes the devil tries to, you know, you remember the temptation that Jesus faced. He said, if you're the son of God, you know, jump down. You know, at times the devil tries to say, oh, if you are the son of God, Lord, prove yourself. And God, Jesus, like me, you, I don't need to do that to prove that I'm God. You know, Jesus did not just, Jesus rebuked him. Do you know at times, the, I feel we face similar temptations in our lives where you're like, God, if you are God, do this for me. He doesn't, he doesn't need to prove that he's God in your life to do that. Even if he doesn't do it, he's God all by himself. Now, this is so key because when you understand that, that God is God by himself, not because of what he does in my life or does not do, it just helps you to have the right perspective when you go through difficulties. I've been through lots of pain in my life, and I'm going through pains. But you know what? Understanding what the weight of glory, understanding what Jesus has prepared for me, the living hope, motivates me, inspires me, encourages me to endure the cross. And I just feel that that's what God wants to say to someone this morning. I'm not here by any way trying to belittle what you're going through, but I'm just trying to say there's something bigger. Look up. Look up to the king. Have a fresh perspective this morning. Have a fresh perspective this morning. God is walking an eternal weight of glory. God is walking an eternal weight of glory. We're going to have some time to pray because I just have so much faith for healing for, from pain. The thing about the glory God is preparing, there are two dimensions of it. The first one is eventually when Jesus comes home, you know, we'll all be with him in glory. There'll be no sin. There'll be no pain. There'll be, you know, we'll leave in, you know, uh, we just enjoy the beauty of his presence. For, for, for example, you know, just a reminder, you know there's not going to be marriage in, in that season. It's, there's nothing. There's nothing like that type of erotic love. There's some, we'll all be satisfied by the presence of God. 
Now, this is very important. To those that are single in our church, I just, want, I just feel like I should say a word to you just to encourage you. God sees you. God sees you. And it can be very lonely at times, but God sees you. And I just want to encourage you. There's that dimension that we will experience in the life after. Do you know you can assess it now? You can. Because in that dimension, there will be no marriage. But we'll all be so happy and so fulfilled. I just pray for the singles in our church that you begin to experience that dimension. And God willing, he blesses you at the right time with a godly spouse too, so that you can build, fill the other dimension of marriage. And for marriage people, marriage is great, but it's not everything. Because it's, there's some things that only Jesus can satisfy that your spouse can't. And, and just to remind you to set your perspective on Jesus. I want to encourage us to do that, no matter the pain that you're going through. So we're going to take some, a few ten minutes to just pray. I want us to pray for one another. There's power in congregational prayer when we pray and stand in the gap together. So there, I'll lead some prayers. Don't pray. But before that, the first one is for those that want to give their life to Jesus. You've been in church, you've had the sermon, you've, it's time to decide. And I just, I just feel that God, this gospel has been sought by prophets. I mean, it's been sought by prophets. It's been, it's been created by angels, yet you're not accessing it. God has brought you this close so that you can access it. It will do you good if you give your life to Jesus. It's not a set of rules. It's not a set of do's and don'ts. It's about accepting the person of Jesus. Somebody will say, then why do you, we hear people say, obey, obey, live a life of obedience. We, we obey as a response of love. Not because that's what saves us. It's a, it's a thin line. Because oftentimes, then why do you say, you should do this, don't do that. God expects us not to do this. It's a response of love. Not because that's what saves us. What saves us is accepting the gift of salvation in the person of Jesus. That's what grace is. That's the amazing grace we sang earlier. That's what it's all about. It looks so simple, but this is powerful. And angels, as, as I kept preparing for the summer, angels are craving for that. It, it's, it's a shiva every time. Angels that stand before the beauty of God, beholding his face, worshiping the sin, the God in his own his vastness. Yet, they are longing for what we have then why is it that we that have it despise it? Or we don't value it? Or we just look at it and treat it as nothing? Prophecies have gone ahead concerning what you have. If you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus. While we, we just close our eyes and while stay seated, could you just raise your hand?